Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am really excited to share my interview with Andy. She is a child life specialist in Spokane, Washington, and we talked about eating plant-based, and I really love how she shared her story about becoming vegetarian and how it made her life easier while still aligning with her values. You know, conversations like these get me to critically think about what I'm buying and eating, and I love to be able to be introduced to different ideas about this through hearing stories from other people. And that's really why I am here to share these interviews. So without any further ado, let's jump in. All right. Hi, Andy. Thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for thinking of me and for having me on. Yeah, totally. It's it's fun. I really enjoy talking to a lot of different people for this. And I think you're the first person that I have invited or has been able to come on that I grew up with. We went to high school oh, together, so it's it's fun to have somebody to talk about Spokane and like, you know, we know the same places kind of. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So let's get started. I want to hear all about what eating was like at your house growing up. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I, my dad for, my dad is a teacher now at our high school, um, <laughs> but he, for years and years and years of his professional life was a cook at various restaurants. And one thing that I loved about eating in my household growing up is that my family definitely did not fit the kind of gender stereotype mold of, and lots of families are this way, but we did not fit the mold of like my mom doing all the cooking so it was very, very equal parts, my mom and dad cooking growing up. Um, they probably grew up in similar households themselves as far as the types of foods that they made. It was very much like the kind of traditional meat and potatoes households growing up for them. Um, so they would make some meals more like that that they got from their parents. Um, we weren't a huge junk food family. That's not to say we weren't, we also weren't like health nuts either, but, um, yeah. And then my dad became a vegetarian when I was probably in middle school. So that made things a little bit different because my mom is not a vegetarian and she's flexible. Like we'll try foods obviously without meat in them, but that kind of changed it a little bit to the types of foods that we would all eat together. So it might be like, my mom, my parents would make something and my dad would kind of have a variation of it. Or that was also around the time that we started doing a lot of, my sister and I were involved in a lot of activities and stuff. So it was more of a fast, like I have to go here, you have to go there. So we're split up for dinner. So yeah, I don't know if that's just more of a complicated answer than you were looking for or more specific meals, but that's kind of like the eating culture of our house growing up. Cool. Yeah. No, I wasn't looking for anything in particular. I think it's always an 
I like it as an open-ended question because it can go yeah. in so many different ways. But yeah, so did your parent, like your dad, transitioned into eating more vegetarian when you were younger? Has that stuck with you at all in any particular way? Yeah, actually. So I had been kind of curious about it. I for what's kind of funny is for Lent all through high school, I would give up eating meat, which is funny for multiple reasons because number one. My parents are Catholic and we went to Catholic church sometimes as a family, but that wasn't like a deeply rooted thing. So Lent was more of just a fun challenge, not really even a religious thing for me, but I would give up meat because my dad didn't eat meat. So I thought, okay, this will be kind of a fun challenge. And I did that several times. And then when I went to college, I was in a communications class where we had to give persuasive speeches and someone in the class talked about all the benefits of eating less meat or eating no meat. And the part that really got to me was the environmental impact of meat farming, the meat industry, and how much of an impact it would make if particularly as Americans, we eat less meat. And so I thought, I'm just going to challenge myself to be a vegetarian. And I think the thing that was successful for me with that is that I didn't give myself an end date. I didn't tell myself I'm going to do this for this long. I thought like, I'm just going to do this for as long as I, it feels right. Or as I want to. And that just stuck. And that was in May of 2008. And I've been a vegetarian ever since then. So my dad definitely impacted me with that because I saw, you know, what he ate and that he had lots of options. And then once I sort of learned of the benefits to that, and challenged myself with it, it has just stuck for me and proven to be a really good fit. And I know there's also a lot of really amazing and sustainable ways you can be a meat eater without causing a negative environmental impact and all of that. But that was just my own personal sort of challenge to myself is to reduce the demand for meat um, and see how it, how it fit for me. And it did. So that definitely impacted me for my entire adult life. It's so interesting that you had two different experiences that kind of formed this yeah. way of, of living. I, and I really, I, I feel like I want you to tell that story so many more times because there, I mean, there's so many reasons why people would eat any particular way. And that's besides the point, but I really appreciate how you talk about it in your own life and what is valuable for you or like what, you find a value as opposed right. to like preaching or saying that this is like why you have to do that, you know, cause it, you hear totally. that a lot and it's like, ugh, okay, whatever I eat meat. Okay. I'm a bad person and then move on. But that's not yeah. the case. It's just all individual. And, and I agree. Like I, I'm trying to eat more plant-based foods too, for the same reasons. Cause that's important. And I feel like so helpless when it comes to <laughs> the climate right now, but yeah. you know, like, uh, at least there's something that we can do right. and that can Absolutely. be, to, yeah, to eat more plants. So with that said, what are some of your favorite protein sources? Cause I think that's one thing that people have a hard time with or, or a little bit, you know, don't quite know where to start if they're curious about eating more plants. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big misconception too. I am certainly no expert. You are. So I would actually love to hear from you, but I know that <laughs> Uh, people often, uh, all the time when, when learning that I'm a vegetarian, people will say like, oh, how do you get your protein? And I think it's 
maybe it's our own culture too, but I think we place a lot of weight on protein and how important it is. And it's not that it's not important, but I think that people think we need more than we do or that vegetarians get less of it than we do, if that makes sense. So I still eat eggs and I've wanted to challenge myself to be vegan and have done it for very short spurts in the past, but eggs and cheese and things like that are my weakness for sure. (laughs) They're Um, so good. I know. So I still eat eggs. I eat a lot of eggs. Um, And I really like beans, like black beans and different legumes in that way. Um, So that's a good source for me. Um, I try not to do a ton of it, but I do like a lot of the meat alternatives that are out there. And because it's kind of trendy right now to be plant-based, there's a lot of meat alternatives on the market. So a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, tons, even, I mean, more and more, it was not that long ago, like a few years ago, even that the only fast food place that even had an option at all. Like I went to school on the West side of Washington but grew up here on the east side of Washington. And so I was traveling back and forth during school to come home for holidays and things. And like driving across I-90 to get home, sometimes fast food seems like really the only option while you're traveling. And I can't tell you how many times I stopped at the Burger King in North Bend because that was Burger King was the only place that had besides like a subway or any of those types of places that even had an alternative. And they had a veggie burger, a morning star veggie burger. And they had that on the menu for years and years. And it wasn't truly until this year that I even saw another fast food restaurant, even making an attempt at doing anything plant-based. And so now they're popping up all over. And I'm sure in the next few years, I mean, even to stay competitive, every fast food place is going to have to adopt some version of it in the coming years because they're that's becoming the norm. Like that. I think, um, cause I, for example, my cousin lived with me for a little bit and she was gluten-free. And so we're thinking like, Oh my gosh, it's just easier to all eat the same foods. And it was really not that hard because there's so many sources of grains that are outside of, um, of, there's so many sources, there's so many carbohydrate sources outside of grains. And the same thing goes with meat. Like you know, chicken and beef are not the only way to get protein. And yeah, I agree with you. I think we way overemphasize the importance of, of protein because most yeah. Americans are, have, you know, are not um, deficient in that at all. Right. So, yeah. So yeah. And they, and honestly, like when I, at least for myself, and I don't know if you've had this experience too, but if I am really short on time, haven't planned anything, my, the meals that I throw together are almost exclusively plant-based because they're super easy to throw together. You don't have to cook anything necessarily and you can just crack open a can of beans and, you know, throw whatever's in the fridge and then you're good to go. (laughs) Totally. And I have found it so convenient in so many facets of my life because there's on, I mean, generally there's more options for things that aren't super perishable. I mean, you can throw a salad together with whatever you have in the, in the produce drawer in your fridge and then the dressing and stuff will have to be refrigerated obviously, but it's just easier to make things more mobile. Like you said, you don't have to reheat things as often and it's cheaper. It's much cheaper. Meat is expensive. I don't even go down the meat 
in the meat section of grocery stores, obviously I just skip over that. But when I have been shopping for a friend or pick something up for someone or just happen to glance over and notice, I'm always so surprised at how expensive meat is. And then that kind of makes me like, Oh yeah, I haven't paid for that in, I mean, really ever because I, how much of my own grocery shopping was I even doing as a freshman in college too? Not much. (laughs) So yeah, that it's, it's convenient in a lot of ways. But again, I, um, I get kind of nervous even to tell people that I'm a vegetarian sometimes because I think we get a bad rap for being preachy about it. So that's in no mean, you know, by no means am I saying that it's a better way to go, but it has just been really convenient for me. Well, and it's, as you said before, it aligns with what you value. And I think that's important. Right. And and yeah. it's not to say that that's more important than, you know, the values of somebody who eats meat or, you know, whatever it is that anybody eats, it's all fine. But finding right. ways to live in a way that align with what you value is, makes life better <laughs> for each yes, of us. Yes, <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And you talked about, um, I think another thing about like the preachy part is I... And, you know, I mean, labels, whatever. But the thing is, like, if you're curious about trying more plant-based foods, go for it. That's not to say that you have to be vegetarian or you can't eat meat. It's just, you know, like eating more different foods, which I think is is good for a lot of us. And, and it's a good excuse to try different recipes or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Which is valuable. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so, I mean, again, you can be really healthy about it or not. But I have found in times where I'm really making an effort to be conscious of getting all the nutrients I need and more well-rounded meals and stuff. Everything is also just so colorful. Like my plates just look more beautiful. And it's like this running joke that my dad and I have too, where you'll be at a family gathering or a public space or something and someone orders pizza. And if one of if there's a veggie pizza and then, you know, pepperoni or meat lovers or whatever it might be the veggie pizza is the first to go because it's so pretty it's Everyone so true rate for the veggie colorful the peppers and tomatoes and like mushrooms and it just looks so nice and appealing because it is it's delicious but then we have this snarky running joke between the two of us like okay yeah well I'm not going to eat the pepperoni so how about you what if like Next time, order more veggies so that we can all enjoy it. You know, it's like this funny concept because everyone's like, oh, I can't imagine not having it without meat. And then they always go straight for the beautiful veggies because they are and add so much variety and flavor. I think, and I'm just like imagining veggie pizzas that I've had and they're, they're so fun. Like there's so many different vegetables or like, um, produce or whatever on there. And there's just lots of different flavors, which is something to look forward to. So yeah, I like that you said that. So let's talk about cooking. Tell me what you enjoy about cooking or eating for one. I have always loved the, just the process of cooking. And I am very much an introvert. I can be social, but I am very much an introvert and I need processing time for myself. And any, anyone who knows me well will laugh if they're listening to this because I bring everything in my whole life back to the Enneagram. I don't know if you've taken that. Oh, I haven't. No. Okay. It is amazing. It's changed. It's changed the way I think about everything. Really. It's an ancient personality typing 
tool. So anyway, Mm -hmm. without getting into that's one thing that I can just talk about for hours. So I took the Enneagram and I got a type nine, which as I've researched it, is just so unbelievably who I am. It's just so crazy (laughs) accurate. It's called the peacemaker. And it's very like one of the things about a type nine is taking in everything around you so much like a sponge and getting to know other people's perspectives that you can kind of lose track of your own perspective and need to take some time away to really digest the things that have happened or the questions you've been asked or decisions you're being asked to make for yourself and hear your own voice when you can quiet the voices of those around you. And one thing that I've come to realize in my love for cooking is that is absolutely something that I do during that time. So I love my living situation with my sister and brother-in-law and their kids. And I love getting to spend so much time with them. But then I also, if I happen to find myself in a moment where I'm in the kitchen by myself and no one else is home, it's like everything just aligns. And I feel this just peace. Like it's just here I am. I have a task to focus on. I might listen to a podcast or music or something, but I can always come back to that one task of chopping or sauteing or whatever it is. And that is really centering and grounding for me and really helps me just focus when I have something else like to do with my hands and I have to keep kind of mentally coming back to it, but I can take little breaks where I'm just processing the day. And that is so therapeutic for me. I I feel the same way. It's such a great way to kind of decompress after a long day. And especially if you're coming back from like things being really chaotic, unless I'm cooking for somebody else, cooking for myself is rarely chaotic. And it's, yeah, it's such a good way to recharge. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's a good point too, of cooking for myself and not in like a hosting capacity, because then it definitely can turn from therapeutic. And then it's like, oh my gosh, okay, is my timing right? And are people hungry? You know, when it's just me that I have to think about with it, I can just take my time, graze as I go if I am really hungry or whatever, and just turn it into an experience. So that's a good distinction too, is that that's different from an experience where unless I'm making dinner with a friend and we're chatting and catching up and both kind of slowly working on it, it kind of has the same effect. But you're right, in a hosting capacity, it's sometimes the opposite therapeutic but I still enjoy it a lot yeah I mean well and you can't have everything always right like you're you know eating alone or you're eating with other people and there's yeah pluses and minuses to both that's so true yeah absolutely so I don't ask this question nearly enough but you said that you like listening to podcasts or music what are you listening to right Mm -hmm. now or your favorites yeah I my favorite podcast is armchair expert oh my gosh shepherd me too Oh my, yeah, the best. I got to see him and Monica, of course, uh-huh. live in Seattle for a live recording of it with Dan Savage. And it's a highlight. That was a good one. Me. Yeah. Yes. I know. I That episode even stands alone as a favorite for me. And I can't believe I got to be in the same room while they were recording it. So that was amazing. That's so cool. I also have a weakness for trash tv Mm. reality tv yeah so sometimes that will be on in the background while i'm cooking as well um but i have there's a podcast that i love to listen to that's like recaps from that so i love that i have been listening to joseph that's my favorite band it's three sisters 
from Oregon and I've seen them live now. I can't even, I have no idea how many times it's like any time that I am in or near a city where Joseph is playing, I go and they just released an album this past year. So I am listening to them constantly. So those oh, are, so great. those are my favorites. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it's fun to hear new ones. Um, I, did you listen to the holiday spectacular or whatever yes (laughs) oh my gosh I felt all every single I mean you feel a lot of emotions during them normally but oh my gosh Kristen Bell's voice I forgot how amazing her voice is oh I know and I I know it's it's stunning and I was I listened to the holiday episode from last year too and I was working at the children's hospital and it was really late at night and I was getting ready to go deliver some gifts um Christmas Eve late late at night and so I turned on that podcast it was just me in a storage room kind of bundling things up to get ready for Christmas the next day at the hospital (laughs) yeah and I was listening to that and she sang Silent Night like just her this acapella version of Silent Night and I was just all the emotions of the holidays, which are an emotional and lots of things mixed into it. And then being at the hospital, which is really a really beautiful experience and a very difficult experience too at the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just weeping listening to her sing. Oh it was gosh. like, truly, I will never forget it. It was so beautiful. So that podcast has given me many moments like that, where it's just this very, very, very moving experience. I love that. And that's a definite listen to while I cook. Yeah. Well, and I feel it's, it's hard to find that balance and we need to move on after this, but it's hard to find that balance of, um, something that is like engaging enough, but if you get distracted for a second, you're not totally lost. So I feel like there's some that are really good. Um, Mm -hmm. but you can't do anything else while you're listening to them pretty much. Yeah. And so that's a good one. Constantly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You could just do other things with it too, which is nice. Totally. Yes. And Harry Potter audiobooks are a go-to for me too, because I can listen to that and come back in. And I know exactly what's happening. Yeah. So. I need to listen to those again. And I need to, I'm going to oh, listen so to Little cool. Women because I just saw the movie and it was amazing. Oh, sweet. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So a couple last questions. Let's talk about like cooking for you and any tips that you have. Do you have any favorite cooking or meal hacks? Um, I did uh, the whole 30. I'm going to call it the whole 21 because I didn't go a full 30 days because as a vegetarian, wow, that was very difficult and not even (laughs) that healthy for me. It was like, okay, well, truly, what am I eating? Um, yeah. So I did that, but I discovered zoodles at that point, zucchini noodles and a little veggie spiralizer. So I don't do that nearly as often as I should, but that was a huge one for me that I found was really easy spaghetti squash is I just was shocked at what you can do with that. So those two things are just something that's really surprisingly easy to prepare and go well with a lot of things. Um, I also survive on doing meals that even though I'm just cooking for me, making a meal almost as though I'm making it for a whole family because leftovers are huge for me with my kind of strange work schedule at the hospital I have to bring meals with me that I've already prepared a day or two before or else it's just way too hard and costs me way too much money so um meal preparation is 
huge for me. And I discovered things like ordering your groceries and just driving up and picking them up. And that's huge because sometimes that can be a surprisingly big barrier when you're really tired and during your work week and stuff. The mental and physical energy that it feels like it will take to just go out to the grocery store and think about making your meals is rough. And I think I actually spend less money when I do it online because I have to be kind of thoughtful about it as opposed to just wandering the aisles and grabbing things as I go. So yeah, those aren't revolutionary tips, but they've really helped me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I like that you brought up the spiralizer because I don't think anybody has on this yet, but, um, and, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a way to replace, you know, like starchy vegetables, um, unless you just like lots of vegetables, but I think it's a great, an easy way to cut vegetables. Because I think that's a huge barrier for a lot of us is that, you know, it takes time to chop vegetables. And it's, I mean, if you have um, an electric one, like I borrowed one to do a recipe for somebody and I could not believe how easy it was. And I was like, oh man, I got to figure out a way to like fit one of these into my life. And I got a mandolin instead, which is almost as easy. But but yeah, so if you want to like buy less pre-chopped food, but also be able to, you know, have the ease of that, then that could be a really great way. And if you have a good one, I think they can do anything, can't they? Like beets and yeah. and more um, tough, like squashes and stuff too, which is great. Yeah, I think so. I just have kind of a cheap little mini one that really just does the kind of faux noodles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was a amazing tool to find when I was doing that whole process so yeah yeah and anything to make cooking easier is often a good Uh, idea absolutely (laughs) yeah totally so let's um let's talk about struggles with food is there anything that is is difficult for you on a you know consistent basis or has been I guess too um with cooking for yourself or eating alone um yeah I think Balancing, I think balancing how food I'm making obviously is a common one when it's just me, just recipes are not written for one person on the whole, generally. So um, having to adapt them can be difficult. Um, Yeah, I mean, as far as complications, because I'm just cooking for me, that's probably the only one I can really think of I guess there's also kind of this lack of accountability to anyone but myself as far as eating healthy too though and I am an emotional eater if I am in stress if I have hard time I have historically and can definitely stop turning to food as a coping mechanism and so that can be tough and when it is just me like I don't have I mean, I, you know, oftentimes I'm eating with others and that it's not like it's just me all the time. I live with family and I, you know, so, but when it is generally, you know, if I'm coming home late from something, it's not like I have someone who is, I've made this consistent dinner plan with, or that I have this arrangement with that we eat together or something like a partner that I'm consistently coming home and making meals with. So it's really easy for me to make unhealthy food choices because it's just me who's thinking about it so the accountability part can be a struggle depending on if I'm in a stressful season of life um 
So I would say those are probably the only two that really come to mind with that, but they're, they're big ones that they can be. So, yeah. And it's something, I mean, we have to eat, you know, multiple times right. a day. And so that adds up, but I think right. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to be better at kind of sharing the resources that I have available. And I think, cause what I, hands down, I think the most difficult part about cooking for one is de- like leftovers, whether that's like, you know, making a dish and then realizing that you have it to eat for like six days or leftover ingredients. And so on Nourish Nutrition blog, on my food blog, I really focus on like one to two servings per recipe and then also ideas to use up the ingredients because that's, you know, a big barrier too. And, you know, if you want to reduce food waste and save money that way, then that's, you know, it's, it's good to see some ideas like just right there when you're looking around for recipes. And I think too, you know, the emotional eating and accountability thing is interesting and it's complicated and we're obviously like not going to have time to go into it. But I think, I don't know if you've experienced this at all, but um, in my experience of eating by myself a lot of the time or like making my own food and then eating around other people, um, it's, it kind of gives you the opportunity to really like pay attention to and recognize those cues, whether, you know, it's like, oh, this is what happens when I feel this way or, or, you know, this is what I do when I need something that's really convenient. Is this something that's like actually really helpful for me? Does this make my life you right. know, like better? Does it, you know, does it improve my health? All of, all of that. And so it's kind yeah. of, you know, it, it requires some effort and I will be the first person to admit that I don't want to spend, make that effort in the moment, but it is a, you know, I mean, it can be a helpful place to be because there's no expectations. Like you can eat whatever you want, which is, totally. you know, can mean anything, but, but it yeah, is nice and I like to framing it that way for sure. That's the better, you know, when I'm, when I'm hard on myself about the choices that I'm making or mm-hmm. what I'm craving or whatever, I like, I like bringing it back to that. That's a good mentality to have about it. Yeah. And it's obviously a lot easier for somebody else to say it than it is for yourself because I can say that to you because, you know, I mean, yeah. it's easier to be compassionate with others than right. it is for yourself. And I definitely experienced that yeah, as well. Definitely. But, you know, when it comes to behavior change, and this is the like philosophical moment of, of today, but when it comes to behavior change, like changing behaviors based off of like fear or, um, uh, oh, what's the word? Like feeling, um, down on yourself or frustrated with your choices or whatever is not going to lead to changes. It's going to be from this, um, perspective of like wanting to take care of yourself and, and from that side. Um, but it's hard to get there because everywhere we hear a lot of people that we talk to, it's, it's the other direction. Thank you so much for, for a lot. So thank you so much for thinking of me here. It was awesome to be on with you and to catch up. I know it was so good. You're, you're breaking up and I'm so glad we made it to the end <laughs> until that happened. But yeah, I, it was really great talking oh, to you. Still there? Oh yeah. I can hear you better now. Oh. It's, it's such a crapshoot with these, you know, oh, Okay. <laughs> but we did totally. so well up until now, but yeah, it was really fun talking to you <laughs> and I appreciate your perspective on eating vegetarian and 
just, you know, kind of open the door for that to, you know, allow people to get curious about it, which I think is helpful. Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on my handle is NNC underscore table. And you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.